Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 299 with Pamela Skillings. Pam Skillings is really a master when it comes to equipping people for job interviews. We haven't explicitly gone deep into job interviewing on the show, but by request of listeners, we're doing it now. And please, if you've ever got a request, let me know, Pete at awesomeatyourjob.com, and we will get the best stuff flowing to you. So you'll learn one, how to prepare without over-preparing. Two, the best answers to the most commonly occurring interview questions. And three, your secret weapon for any interview. So if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced, you'll find that on over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep299. Now here's Pam's story. Pamela Skillings is an author, entrepreneur, and career coach who specializes in helping people find their success and fulfillment in their dream careers. Her company, Skillful Communications, provides career coaching and training for individuals and training and development consulting for companies and organizations. Big Interview is her online job interview training system that helps clients ace their interviews and land big job offers. She's also the author of Escape from Corporate America, a practical guide to creating the career of your dreams by Random House, and has been featured as a career expert by the New York Times, Newsweek, ABC News, and other media outlets. Additionally, she's an adjunct professor at New York University and a contributing columnist for About.com and other publications. So thanks to Pam for sharing some time with us and thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. Here is Pam. Pam, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thanks for inviting me. I'm uh, excited to chat today. Oh, I'm excited too. And I understand you also have some excitement and enthusiasm for a particular dinosaur. What's the story here? <laughs> well, I have a five-year-old, as you can imagine. Uh, that's where my love of dinosaurs uh, has come from. So when you asked me for a for a fun fact, I thought not too many people are going to share that the Diplodocus is their favorite dinosaur. But I was it was fresh on my mind because I had just been having a very in-depth dinosaur conversation that very evening. <laughs> you know, I don't think I can summon an image of what a Diplodocus is <laughs> off, the, off the top of my head. I think of the pterodactyl, the Tyrannosaurus, you know, Triceratops, but I, I'm drawing a blank here. I'm trying to be a little bit different, you know, uh -huh. and I think the main reason is because it's a lot of fun to say Diplodocus. I don't know. It's something about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Does it have any noteworthy features or abilities? It's kind of brontosaurus-like. It's big and it's an herbivore and it's, uh, it's yeah, it's, it's definitely in the top 10, I think, of, of all-time dinosaurs. You know, it's funny. So we have a new baby at home. The shirt he wears most days <laughs> has three dinosaurs on it. And one of them might be a Diplodocus. I'll have to double check. Yeah, you'll have to see if you can find one. You got to start them early with the <laughs> Diplodocus. That's good. Well, I want to hear all about your brilliance when it comes to helping folks with interviews. And so it's impressive to behold. You've been doing this for a good while now. How long? I've been doing this, um, well, career coaching since 2005, I guess. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and focusing on, not exclusively, but mostly on, on interviewing for the last several years, if not more. I hate to, makes me feel old when I think too hard about it. But yeah, for a, for a good long time, I kind of found my, 
my niche for a lot of people. I still do coaching on other career issues, but I think I started out focusing more so on career change and bigger sort of career issues, you know, trying to figure out the next chapter of your career. And I still help people with that. But I found that along with that, a lot of people, their biggest challenge was once they figured out what they wanted to do next, okay, how do I get someone to give me that job? And most people are not naturally good at interviewing. And even if they're not terrible, uh, they could be better and they tend to get nervous. It's a nerve wracking kind of experience. So I found I kind of had a knack for helping people with it. I think maybe because Earlier in my career, I worked in marketing. I've worked in both marketing and human resources before getting into coaching and, and falling in love with sort of helping people with their careers and finding work that they love. So for whatever reason, I found that I had a knack for sort of listening to people and helping them figure out how to present themselves and their accomplishments and their strengths in, in, in the way that was really going to resonate with, with the interviewers. And it was really rewarding to me once I started working with people on that because you see results right away. And, you know, I love ongoing coaching because you help people overcome big problems, but it, it takes a lot of time. With interview coaching, I tend to, even in one session, I can sometimes I'll get a call the next day. Hey, I went great. I got the job offer. And so it's really a nice feeling. It's really rewarding to help people who have a lot of great things going for them just to get over this one hurdle, to learn this one skill, to kind of look at themselves and their own experience in a different way. It's hard, I think, to look at yourselves objectively sometimes and think about what do I want to emphasize? What do I want to bring out about myself for this particular opportunity? It's an interview is kind of a different interaction than anything else we do in, I guess, normal mm -hmm. life. So people uh, people sometimes haven't had training or it's just not something that they're comfortable with. But with a little bit of training, a little bit of coaching, you can see people make a huge, huge difference. And and getting good at interviewing is a major life improvement opportunity. You can get a better job. You can get a job that you love more, make a lot more money. You know, there's so many things that you can achieve uh, if you get good at interviewing. Absolutely. You know, the stakes and the rewards are substantial, you know, which is how you've been able to command a $500 an hour rate for years upon years. So congrats to you, fellow entrepreneur. That's really cool. <laughs> and I'd love to hear that a couple of the gems that you share during these coaching sessions that make people say, yep, that was totally worth it. And so I'll get specific shortly, but for now, I'd like to yeah. go wide open in terms of those nuggets you share that make people go, wow, yes, that was the thing. Yeah, well, I think there's a couple things that are recurring themes. I think most people are terrible at the whole tell me about yourself because it's just an awkward hugely open-ended question and it's so easy to get off on a tangent or to stumble. So that's one I've seen make a huge difference just spending a little bit of time together kind of thinking about, okay, how do I want to open this interview? You know, you're opening in an interview and almost always that first question is something along, along those lines, sort of open-ended, tell me about yourself, walk me through your resume. And so I find just making improvements to that and how you open because it's, it's kind of like how do you position yourself with this person? What's their first real impression of you? What do they focus on? Well, you kind of have some control over that in terms of what you emphasize and how you describe yourself in that tell me about yourself. Now, of course, you've got to cover the key facts on the resume, but there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. So I think that's one of, one of the things. And just being able to give real 
objective feedback uh, to people about how they're coming across. I think it's very difficult sometimes to know yourself. And often in interviews, you don't get real feedback. Oh, right. You might get a, well, we went another way. Or, yeah, he really liked you, but, uh, but you rarely get told, hey, you could be doing this better and this could be... So I think that's part of it. Like I use my time very effectively. You know, I sit down with someone and I am 100% focused on them and hearing, you know, what their challenges are, hearing how they're coming across. You know, I do my homework before each session on their industry. And at this point, I've worked with people across a lot of different industries, different levels. And there are definitely some some nuances and differences when it comes to, to different types of jobs. So I think that's sort of where I add value and having done this a long time and having a pretty good understanding of where people go wrong and what you know what hiring managers are looking for and being able to give advice on sort of all the steps along the way uh, in the in the job search and interview process. Well yeah I'd love to dig into some of these matters then. So when it comes to the tell me about yourself or walk me through your resume, what are some of the key do's and don'ts there? Well I think one of the biggest ones is uh is you know having a strategy sort of going in and we have this we have this three part model that we uh, that we recommend to people and it's not you know the only way to do it but it's sort of going in and knowing like this is a chance to tell basically tell my whole story so I don't want to try to wing it and end up going off on a tangent or end up leading with the stuff that's less relevant or interesting and losing the person after, you know, 20 seconds. So we have this three-part model and, you know, we have articles, we have lots of free advice and information on our blog, biginterview.com slash blog. And and Big Interview is our our online training platform. So people who don't have the budget to, uh, or inclination to kind of hire a coach to work one-on-one, we put a lot of different lessons in terms of how I do things with my clients and there's a practice tool and a bunch of stuff like that on Big Interview. And this is definitely... Tell Me About Yourself is definitely one of the things that uh, that is most popular and that people are most uh, most likely to uh, to be looking for on our site. So, uh, so really emphasizing what's most relevant and interesting for this particular job. I think a lot of people by instinct kind of walk in and start at the beginning of their story. So it's like, well, you know, I grew up here and I went to college here. And if you're a 10-year seasoned executive, by the time you get to the stuff that I really care about in terms of, are you the right person for this job? I've kind of checked out a little bit, right? So mm-hmm. it's uh, that's one of the things I, I see people doing. I think one of the other things people do with the Tell Me About Yourself, as well as the rest of the interview, is... They just don't, you know, I hate to say sell yourself because it sounds like this very, uh, you know, not like a very human thing to do. But the truth is that in a job interview, you really have to think about how do I sell them on the fact that I'm the best fit for this job? How do I really highlight my strengths, the experience that I've had that will make me great in this position? And so a lot of people aren't comfortable with that. We're not, most of us not... Uh, taught how to do that. We're taught actually that that's obnoxious to say nice things about yourself or to uh, to be too forward or to brag, you know, and especially people who are introverts, who are a little bit more mo- modest by nature, they kind of struggle with that. And even if they're trying to do it, even though I know I'm supposed to sell myself, so I'm going to try to say something here. Um, they don't necessarily do it in the most effective way because it doesn't feel comfortable. They hold back. It's out of their comfort zone or they stumble. And so I think being able to do the planning up front and this sort of three-part model is 
is a helpful way to do that. So you really think about what are my talking points here? What is my story? And, you know, we'll talk some more about this, I'm sure. But storytelling, I think, is a huge sort of secret weapon in terms of job interviews because they can be sort of dry at times. And I think if you can use storytelling techniques uh, in interviewing, it really helps to connect with the interviewer and also just make you a much more memorable uh, candidate. Now, when you talk about selling yourself, could you provide maybe just a couple example sentences to orient us a little bit like, oh, no, that's not going too far. That's just right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everyone has a certain comfort level. So one of the things I tell people is, okay, you're an introvert. You're, you have a quiet personality. I'm not going to force you to memorize a script saying I am the greatest manager ever. And, you know, I leave all the other candidates in the dust. And so that's not going to feel natural. And, and it's not going to make a great impression uh, by going too far in that direction either. So I always you know, talk to people about how to find a way to say it in their voice, to way to talk about their accomplishments in their voice, to make um, to make sure that the interviewer is hearing it and, and is suitably impressed, uh, but without it feeling over the top for them. And, and that's why practice, I think, is huge, too, with for people who are a little bit uncomfortable with this idea of selling themselves, because the first time you say it, even if it's perfectly fine in terms of the language, it's going to feel weird because you're not used to talking that way. But if you practice out loud a few times, you, you know, then you tweak it a little bit. Maybe you change a word here and there and you just get more comfortable with the idea of, of speaking that way about yourself. So some of the things I, I advise people to do if they're feeling a little bit uncomfortable or having a hard time figuring out a way to do this in their own, in their own style is, you know, first of all, think about factual statements that are impressive, right? So you don't have to say, I'm the greatest ever. I'm fantastic. You should definitely hire me. You can say, I led a multi-million dollar project that we delivered two weeks ahead of deadline and got amazing feedback from the client, right? So yeah, you put a few adjectives in there. You, you give a little enthusiasm around it, but it's basically just stating the facts of something that, that you accomplished. So that's one thing. Uh, another technique for people who, who struggle a little bit that I, that I, and these are, there are others too, but another one that I found people find useful is, um, you know, quoting someone else, right? If you're having a hard time saying, I'm a great manager, you can say, you know, in my performance review, I got great feedback from my manager about my ability to mentor. And then you're quoting somebody else. And that gives it, first of all, it gives it maybe a little bit of an extra credibility boost in terms of the listener, but it also doesn't feel so much like you're bragging as that you're just sharing what someone else told you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. And I'm curious then in terms of sort of the tone with which you deliver these factual sentences or these quotations from others, do you have some pro tips on calibrating that nicely? Yeah, I think you mean in terms of vocal quality and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for example, I mean, I could imagine that you can do it wrong in the sense of I delivered a multi-million dollar result, you know, so it's like, oh my gosh, I hate you. Shut up. Yes. Get well, out now. So what's the best way to say it? <laughs> yeah. That, well, those are the two ends of the extreme, right? The one end of the extreme is the person who's just fumbling about it. And then there's the person who memorized this script that they're reciting. And that sounds totally canned and totally uh, phony, right? <laughs> so always thinking about um, the best way to do this, you know, finding that perfect balance between preparing and not over preparing to the point where it doesn't feel true. Or it's not at all spontaneous. So I'm a big believer in this idea of, of the bullet point approach. So it's about 
thinking about what your key speaking points are for, you know, for the most important questions, right? So there's a, a core set of questions that I think are the most commonly asked, as well as the ones that I think maybe have the biggest influence in terms of the overall impression that interviewers have uh, of a particular candidate. And, and especially if there's an area that you're sensitive about, or if there's a gap in your resume or something like that, questions around more awkward topics, sort of preparing some bullet points. And so you're not scripting word for word, but you're sort of capturing a few bullet points that allows you to really focus on the most interesting, relevant things you have to say uh, for that question. And I I use the metaphor sometimes about, you know, celebrities going on a talk show, right? So they, they're going on a talk show and, uh, you know, they're not going to completely improvise, but they're also not going to get up there and read from a script, but they're going to have well, probably their publicist, but somebody's going to prepare these speaking points for them and they're going to get up there and they're going to make sure to mention that fun story about their coworker on set. And they're going to make sure to mention, you know, this other interesting fact about their, you know, favorite hobbies. So thinking a little bit about the bullet points and then practicing. And again, I think sometimes people practicing gets a bad reputation because people feel like, oh, well, if you practice too much, it's not going to be authentic. It's not going to be natural. But it's for me, it's the opposite. I've seen it time and time again with people um, because everyone knows you're supposed to practice, right? Every interview book is like, well, you should practice. But a lot of people are like, eh, yeah, but it's awkward. It's weird. I don't know. I'm not really going to... I'm just going to say it in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see it time and again in sessions. People go from stumbling to sounding really polished and confident after practicing it a few times. It's sort of like, sort of like, you know, because an interview is a performance to some degree, you know, you're, you're starring as yourself. So hopefully you're, you're being authentic, but you're also preparing. You want to make sure you're prepared. Just like when you give an important presentation, you're being yourself, uh, but you're being the best version of yourself that you can be. Oh, I like that. And that analogy to the talk shows, you know, it's true with like the anecdotes, which it just reminds me of, there's this goofy TV show called Nathan for You. And oh, I don't know that it's one. so funny. This It's out there. And so this comedian like studied all the anecdotes shared at talk shows and then crafted what would be the perfect anecdote for him to share at a talk show and then, you know, elaborately constructed the events to unfold so that he wasn't technically lying. So we could link to that in the show notes. But, yeah, uh, that sounds hilarious. And so then when it comes to, you know, these questions that show up a lot and have a big impact in forming the impression of a candidate. Could you share a few of those right here, right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me about yourself definitely is uh, is one of the top ones. And I've already sort of talked at length, perhaps too much length about that one. Uh, but that's that's really important. Uh, I also definitely... Every interview is going to ask you some form of why are you interested in this job, right? Why do you want to work here? And there's different angles on that. Why this company? Why this position? Why this career path? Sort of depending on where you are in your, in your career and whether you're making a switch. So really being able to speak at length in a non-generic way about why this is the perfect next opportunity for you is, is very important. Uh, strengths and weaknesses both are very important and also tend to come up. And maybe there are different variations on how they are worded, but these are, are things that are frequently asked about. Even the weakness, and I do think the weakness question is a bit of a cliche and probably not something where you're going to get a ton of... Uh, 
truthful information from someone. Uh, everyone knows to expect it at this point, I think, or most people do, especially if they read my blog. Uh, so I think, but it is still asked a lot. I, I keep asking, I keep waiting for it to go out of fashion and for people to stop asking it. But <laughs> I keep asking my clients when they come in after a new interview, I'm like, yep, yep. They asked me, they definitely mm-hmm. asked me. <laughs> so strengths and weaknesses. And I think strengths even more so because preparing for the weakness question is more a matter of limiting the downside where because it's an awkward question and if you're not prepared you could blurt something out that's weird or uh just not ideal versus the strengths question which is another example of where you're sort of being forced to sell yourself and say good things about yourself and if you're not prepared a lot of times people lapse into this very generic vague laundry list of i'm a people person i'm a detail oriented but just not taking full advantage of the opportunity basically to, to say, okay, here are the top three reasons why I would be awesome at this job. Okay. I like that. So then you gave a little bit of detail there. You have some bullets for top three and not being shy about doing the sales when it comes to the strength side. And then what are some components for the, why are you interested in this company or this role? You say you want to be non-generic as so, you know, don't, I guess, parrot back the information that's on the website and say general things, but what are some sort of particular examples that really make that come to life? Yeah, well, there's a couple things. So first of all, you definitely want to do your research on the company. And I think most people know to do that. And and you want to show that you understand what the company does. And there are things about the company that you like. And so doing some research and finding some things about the company, you know, and, and if you can go beyond what you read on a website and talk about, oh, I have a friend who worked there or, you know, I have some sort of uh, information that you've, that you've gained. But even if you've just read about the company, but you have a couple of specific details that you pulled about, you know, their, they won an award for innovation or they, their CEO did this interview in the journal that you thought was really insightful, you know, being able to talk about something specific if you can. Um, and then I think one of the things that people sometimes don't do that that I think makes the biggest difference with this kind of question is they think about the company, but they don't really think specifically about the job itself. And I think that's really important here. So you do want to make sure that it's clear you did the research on the company. You think the company is a good fit for you. But when it comes down to it, your success in this position is going to depend on what you do every day, the job itself, right? So being able to talk about how this job description is made for me, right? So I'm, I'm being a little over the top in the language, but you know, being able to point to, hey, these are these are the things you're looking for. This is why I'm a great fit because I've done this and I've got this strength and I've got this training. And so being able to really speak to the job description and both the fact that you are a great fit for that job description and also that you would be excited about doing the work, that this is the kind of work that you love to do and thus you would be motivated to succeed if they hired you for the role. Mm-hmm. That's super. So not just, I thought it was cool that you won these awards, you know, which is like front and center on the homepage, but the particulars associated with this would get you fired up to go forward and do that. I like it. And it's interesting. It seems like that is really a theme here is that in each of these instances, it's not so much a matter of directly answering precisely the facts requested of you so much so as telling the story of your talking points about why you are particularly wonderful for this opportunity. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and thinking strategically about, and that's why I think, you know, sometimes some people are good at winging it and good stuff comes out. And I've had lots of clients who said, yes, I do pretty well when I get a good interviewer and they ask good questions and we have a good rapport. But then I have these other situations where I walk in and I'm like, the person's not giving me anything or they're asking really weird, vague questions and they just shut down or they start blurting things out. So I think the preparation that I work with people to do allows you to be proactive, allows you to kind of take control of the experience. So you're not scripting, but you're thinking, okay, you know, I know that these are the key things I want to convey about myself in this interview. And so if they ask the perfect question, great. If they don't, I'm going to find ways to work in the fact that I have these great leadership skills and I've led an international team of 25 people, you know, right? So thinking about these are the things that I want to make sure I'm able to communicate gives you a little bit of control. It can feel a lot like you're at the mercy of the interviewer in a job interview and you somewhat are, I guess. But if you go in feeling comfortable with your speaking points and, and the things that you want them to remember about you, it gives you a little bit of that opportunity to be strategic and proactive about it. And do you have any pro tips for doing a smart segue there in terms of they're asking you a question and you're delivering your speaking points? And and I guess I'm chuckling and thinking about politicians now, in which like they're asked a question is like they just say what they want to say, regardless of the question that is posed to them. And I'd say yeah. if I were an interviewer, that would make me angry. It's like, yeah. OK, either you are not listening to me or you're dumb or you are sort of determined to railroad this in the way you like. Whatever the interpretation, I don't like it. So what are some of your pro tips for making a smooth connection between the question and your talking point? Yeah, I agree. I think you don't want to completely ignore the question and basically just say what you feel like saying. I think that's definitely not going to serve you well. So I I always say you you do want to answer the question. So you don't want to just sort of jam your speaking points in there regardless of what they ask. So you're looking for questions that legitimately provide an opening right, for for what you want to say. So and and usually there are, right? Usually there are some open-ended questions where you get an opportunity to talk about what you want to talk about. I do think you you do want to answer the questions that are asked, though. Uh, I definitely see some advice out there about seize control of the interview, turn the question back on them. And (laughs) I have heard many stories about how that has backfired. I would not advise it. What are your strengths? <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about the uh, this position? You know, so, yes, I mean, you can ask questions and they'll probably prompt you to ask questions at some point in the interview. But uh, there's also a, a certain matter of respect to answer the questions that are asked. This person, this is their job. Their job is to hire someone great for this role. And so they're not just trying to torture you. Some people are better interviewers than others. Some are, are not great. But this is serious for them. They have to pick someone. It's a big risk factor. If they hire someone who doesn't work out, it's going to make them look bad. It might influence their bonus and promotion possibilities. So you kind of have to think about their perspective too. That's one of the things I always talk about with people. Why are they asking a certain question? It's not just because they want to be difficult, but thinking about what it is, where it is that they're coming from and how you can address what their concerns are and what they feel they need to know about you. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'd love to hear, so we talked a lot about getting really specific about what your talking points are and what's special about you and and getting those out there and the research. So could we maybe zoom out a little bit to talk about some universals in terms of, hey, no matter what your talking points are, no matter what the industry or the role, 
these are some things that always go over well in interviews. So be sure to do them or some things that always don't go over so well. So be sure not to do them. Uh I love these questions. Yeah, I think, I mean, you don't want to be too, you don't want to generalize too much, but that there definitely are some, some things that you see time and and time again. And I, I think one of the things that goes across almost all interviews, I would almost, I would say all interviews, um, in addition to the tell me about yourself thing and being able to talk about your strengths. And, um, but one of the things that's really important that I think some people either don't think about, or they just have difficulty doing is, is really showing your sincere enthusiasm for the position. So I, I always use the analogy of, of dating with people. And I always, I always say, hopefully your dates are more fun than your job interviews. You know, as much as I think job interviews are important, um, that there is a difference, but it's about making it clear that you're happy to be there and that you're that you find the opportunity really interesting, you have enthusiasm, you'd be motivated to succeed if they hired you. So that's why I think that question of why are you interested in this opportunity? Why are you interested in this company? What are you looking to do next? So really trying to get a feel for what you care about, how this position fits into your career goals and into what you love to do and and trying to get a feel for whether you would be a passionate, uh, strong performer if, if you were hired. So I think that's one thing that cuts across all uh, types of interviews. And some people struggle either because they have a very low key personality. I've had, I think that's one, one sort of subgroup of my coaching clients over the years are people who have a very sort of poker face, low key kind of uh, demeanor and they miss out on opportunities. They're getting feedback. Well, you just didn't seem that interested. It didn't seem like you were that excited about the opportunity. And they're like, well, I really was, but you know, I'm just not someone who goes in there and says, this is the greatest job ever, you know? So we work on ways to bring out their personality and their enthusiasm a little bit in a way that still feels like them and, and practice helps with that too. Cause they can see on, on big interview, we have a video practice interview tool. Uh, and I also video record the, the mock interviews I do with coaching clients. And so they can see themselves on, on video and they can see that sometimes if you have a very low key personality, every little bit of, you know, smiling or, or hand gestures feels, oh, that's over the top. That's, you know, but then you see it on video and you realize, okay, well, that isn't as weird as it feels to me. I just have to kind of get used to it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I think that helps with that particular issue as well. Okay. Yeah, that's good. So the enthusiasm is one universal. What else? I think asking smart questions is definitely a universal and and preparing some questions to ask at the end of the interview that are smart. They show you've done your homework, not like, so what does this company do anyway? Uh, But also that focus on your ability to do a good job, right? So not vacation days and things like that. But, you know, what do you think are the biggest opportunities for the department this year? What are some of the most interesting projects that are happening at the company right now? So questions that show your interest in the work and the company and the team and that uh, show that you're already thinking about how can I contribute? How could I uh, get involved in this? So asking smart questions, I think, is definitely a universal. Another universal, and we, we can go into more detail about this or not, is I think the behavioral questions, being able to tell good stories about your greatest accomplishments because you're going to get those behavioral questions in most interviews, tell me about a time, give me an example. And even if you don't get those formally behavioral questions, having stories of your 
greatest hits, I call them your greatest hit stories, sort of having some stories prepared in a nice, concise way that kind of help to show, hey, here are some of the cool things that I've done that demonstrate my ability to to do the work that's required in this position. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to get your take. Yes. When it comes to what makes a story great, how do we think about that in terms of, I guess, length or components or how do we story tell well? Well, I think in an interview, you know, there it, there are some similarities to telling a great story at a party and a story at an interview, although I'm sure the interview ones are maybe not quite as as amusing as uh, as stories you might tell in other areas of your life. But there definitely are similarities. You want to have a little bit of a story arc. You want to paint a picture and you want to make sure that you're really sharing what you in particular did to contribute to the uh, to the project or the the situation, right? Instead of falling back on the generic we, which I think some people, and I think this might come from people who are a little bit more on the modest side, instead of saying I did this or I came up with the solution as well, we, 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 right? Um, and so I always use, I think it's a tried and true approach until they come up with something better. Uh, the star format, I don't know if you're familiar with that uh, from, your, from your career, but there's something called the star format that you might see in, in career books and college career centers, uh, I share it with students sometimes. I think it originated out of management consulting as a way to evaluate these behavioral stories. So the idea is that each answer should form a complete star. And I, I take it a little bit loosely. The ST is supposed to stand for situation task. And for me, it's like not necessarily situation or task, but it's a little bit of backstory. Here's the context. Here's why this project was important. Here are some of the, here's just enough background so that you can understand what happens, right? Not a whole history of the entire project, just enough to set things up, right? And then the A is kind of the meat of the story and its approach or actions. And so then you walk through just a couple bullet points. And this is where it can get difficult. Sometimes you're telling a story of a multi-month or even year project. So you got to think about, okay, what are the highlights here? What are the key things I want to talk about? Of course, being prepared to give more information. If there are follow-up questions, they want more detail on certain things. So having a couple of those bullet points about... Uh, what happened, here are some obstacles that came up, here's how we addressed them, here are some other things that I did. And then all of that leading up to the R, the happy ending, every good story has a happy ending, uh, the results. So having some sort of positive outcome. And this could be a concrete result. And often that's very effective being able to say, we saved the company a million dollars or we increased revenue by 8% or whatever. Um, but sometimes it can even be anecdotal. I got great feedback. Uh, everyone was really happy with the project. We got in under budget, under deadline, etc. So having a positive outcome that that you can speak to that gives it a nice story arc, uh, a little bit of a hero's journey uh, from from the beginning to the uh, to the positive outcome. And so, in sharing this story, it's interesting. I think that in many ways you could complete a full star in one minute or 10 minutes. What are your thoughts in terms of about how long is the right amount of length? My go-to advice is for any answer, you, one to two minutes is a sweet spot. Uh, and two minutes is stretching it a little bit. There are some differences in terms of types of interviews. There are some um, some types of panel interviews that are fully behavioral and they have a little bit more leeway for the stories to be a little bit longer. Uh, so there are some exceptions here and there. But I think after after two minutes, you're going to start losing people, even if your content is good. I think it's just attention span, uh, monologue versus dialogue. And so I think trying to come up with 
a story that's in that one to two minute range. And then, of course, being prepared and and hoping by the way you tell your story that you've given them some interesting things that they might want to dig more deeply into. And then, of course, you can give that additional detail. But I think, yeah, I think that's one of the things people struggle with is being able to focus it down, right, <laughs> to uh, to something that's concise and and engaging, and still making sure that they're giving the enough information to show why this was a big success. All right, and and any other thoughts when it comes to body language or vocal pauses or how we're presenting ourselves? Yes, this is a big one. I think so many people come in after their first session and, you know, one of their biggest questions is, okay, well, how is my body language? Was I doing anything weird? And the answer is almost always, well, yes, (laughs) you know, because we all do. I do it too, you know, when we're not you know, when we're not focused on body language, when we're not 100% sure of what we're talking about sometimes, we all fall back on on things like ums and uhs and fidgeting. I like to fidget with my hands and everybody has different things that they do. I've had people who twirl in the seat, who play with their hair, who have the key phrase, they like, you know, repeat like, you know, every after every line. Um, so there's, and you know, and most people are not hugely dramatic, but everybody has those little tells. And one of the things I tell people is that the practice, as tedious as it may sound to you, but preparing so that you feel good about what your key points are going to be and how you want to describe things in sort of a general way, not memorize word for word, but having done enough preparation and then practicing, doing a couple practice interviews, it goes a long way in removing those things. I could tell you, if you look at some of the video recordings of people, their first practice interview in their first session, or, you know, a new user on big interview, they record their first practice interview versus, uh, you know, later on after they've kind of worked through some things and practiced a few times, it's a huge difference. And almost always those little body language things go away. And yeah, sometimes I do have to to direct people's attention to it because they're not even sure that they're doing it. Um, But I usually tell people at the beginning, don't overthink the body language thing yet, right? Let's think about what you want to say. Let's, you know, let's dig into that and then, you know, try it a few times. And almost always I see it naturally either at least significantly reduce, if not go away completely. And and of course, you don't have to be perfect. Even the best public speakers that get up on stage in front of hundreds of people, you'll catch them in an um or a uh here and there, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So. Mm-hmm. so that's interesting. So most of the time you're saying when you see weird body language, that is largely due to just folks being unprepared and doing what their bodies do when they're, <laughs> I guess, feeling nervous or not raring to go. Nervousness. And I think the other thing is, when you're distracted by trying to think of what you want yes. to say, you know, you fall back on, you're not even aware you're doing it. That's when people do things like stare down at the table or stare up at the ceiling or start fidgeting with the pen because they're not even aware they're doing it because they, they are nervous. And most people are at least a little bit nervous in an interview. Uh, and then they're just distracted by in their head. They're so caught up with, okay, well, I could say this, but I'm not really sure. What did he mean by that? Or, oh, wh- why is he looking over there? I think he hates me. You know, all this <laughs> stuff that's going through your brain. And if you've prepared in the way that I try to get people to prepare, there's a lot less of that noise happening in your head, right? There might be, you know, you're occasionally still going to get a curveball and you're still probably going to have some nervousness here and there, but there's a lot less of that. And, and there are some people who are just not as comfortable 
face-to-face where we have to do a little bit more work. Maybe they haven't had a lot of experience having to sit down and present and and speak to people face-to-face. So there are people who need a little bit more sort of extra work and, and guidance. But for most people, I think a lot of that gets smoothed out with the preparation and the practice. Mm-hmm. Oh, very good. Well, tell me, Pam, anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? Mm, I guess. Oh, so one thing. So one thing that sometimes people are surprised to hear, and you mentioned in your last question, things to do that are more universal, and also things not to do that are that are universal. So I think one of the things not to do that a lot of people do uh, is, you know, at the end, I said it's great, you know, ask smart questions, and so there's some advice floating around somewhere out there that says, ask a question like is there anything about me that you have concerns about in terms of this position? You know, or some, there's variations on that. Basically, hmm. like getting getting the interviewer to tell you what objections do you have to me? And I think it's a bad idea. <laughs> and I see where it came from. I think it came from sales because when you're a salesperson, this idea of um, surfacing objections so that you can address them makes perfect sense, right? Well, why don't you want to buy this product? Well, if they say it's pricing, I have my thing I can say about pricing. But it's just a very different situation in a job interview for, for a couple of reasons. The one is that most HR people and, and managers, and especially at big companies, they've been trained not to give feedback like that on the spot. And sometimes they just don't have that feedback on, on the spot. They, they need to take it in. They need to process. They've got other candidates. And so you're putting them in an awkward position. I have so many HR people and hiring managers who've said that's their least favorite question because it puts them on the spot. It's awkward. And I think that ties into this whole idea of... Um, I'm sure you've heard about... There's studies out there about sort of the peak end uh, experience and how influential the end of an experience is in terms of how you remember it. And I think asking a question like this at the very end of the interview is just a perfect setup to say, okay, now think about everything negative you can imagine about me right at the end. So I think it, it doesn't do people uh, any favor to, to ask a question like that. I think, I think you could flip it and ask in a more positive way, something more like... Um, what do you think are the most important qualities for someone uh, in this role? You know, something like that, because that'll, you know, that might get them talking a little bit about uh, about qualities that maybe you haven't had a chance to talk about or give you an opening to uh, to talk about your experience in a different way. But yeah, you know, the, the whole setup to critique me at the end of the interview is is not a not a good way to go. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's interesting because I can hear how folks would very much want to say, is there anything else I want to make sure I nail that for you? And so you can accomplish that by asking it differently. And so that's good. I guess if you're at this phase of the interview toward the end in which you're asking the questions, it might seem a little off to say, oh, what are the most critical things? Oh, well, by the way, I totally have all of those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what's the next step do you think? Well, yeah, I think you look for a way to naturally bring it up uh, if you can, right? So if they say, yeah, the most important thing here is we're looking for someone who's, you know, an innovator and then, you know, being able to say, oh, that's great. You know, I, I, I thought so based on the job description. And I think that's something that's a great fit for, for my background because of the innovation that I've done at blah, blah, blah. You know, I think trying to make a natural <laughs> segue there as opposed to, oh, ooh, ooh, that's me, that's me, that's me, you know. <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you. Well, now could you share with us a favorite quote, something that inspires you? Yeah, I looked up, uh, I was thinking about something that would be uh, interesting. 
but yeah, so this is a Picasso quote that I, that I like, which is, I am always doing that which I cannot do in order that I may learn how to do it. Uh-huh. So that one just stuck with me in general because so many times I found new things that I love to do that I'm good at doing by pushing myself out of the comfort zone, even though earlier I thought, oh, I could never do that. That sounds horrible. <laughs> that sounds like way beyond my capabilities. So I think that's interesting. Just, and, and a lot of research backs up the fact that just the practice, the doing it, the putting yourself out there, maybe you won't be Picasso, but it's, uh, it's, it's a way of learning and a way of, uh, of pushing yourself. Well, thank you. And how about a favorite study or experiment or a bit of research? I think for me, all the interesting research that's out there about about storytelling, I find just fascinating. And to try to pick one is is difficult. But all the work that's out there about how much more memorable you are when you give your information in the form of, of a story uh, and how much more the person listening to you connects with you. And that, you know, it ties into all this stuff about interviewing in terms of telling your behavioral stories. Because it's true, if you talk about your strengths in a more generic way, that's all well and good. But if you tell a story, you're inviting the person to imagine you, to picture you and if really feel like, yeah, I have a sense of of how that person works. I could see myself working with this person. I can see how this person approaches a problem. Uh, so there's a lot of really interesting uh, research on storytelling and, and the power of storytelling. So I, I nerd out with, uh, with all of those many books and, and studies that are out there on the different aspects of that. Oh, great. Thank you. And how about a favorite book? Well, a couple that I've been thinking about that applied to my work, and I, I read a lot. I read a lot of fiction as well. Uh, but uh, Daniel Pink's Drive is something that is has really resonated with me. Just thinking about as a coach, as someone who's trying to to teach and, and motivate people and even motivating a small child uh, has a lot of really interesting insights about about what motivates people and why people do what they do. Oh, thank you. And how about a favorite tool, something that helps you be awesome at your job? Well, one thing that, you know, thinking about an app or, you know, so Zoom is something that I use with my clients and it's something for anyone who uh, is having meetings and Skype is, Skype is lovely too, but Zoom is a, a similar tool, video conferencing tool. I have all of my video coaching sessions with Zoom. So that's something that I use every day. And I just feel, yes, phone coaching can be great too, but there's something about having someone, uh, being able to see someone, having them be able to see you and also being able to record everything so that they can go back and review their practice interview, review the advice, brainstorm. So that I would say is, is something that has really helped make my life and my work much more efficient and effective. Well, I love Zoom as well. And I'd love to get your professional take. Do you believe Zoom has superior audio quality over Skype? I think so. I think, and certainly in terms of reliability, I think that's one of the things aside from the video component and the ability to record in a reliable way, I find that the sound fades out and does weird things less often. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, thank you. How about you? What's your take on that? You know, I think that the video quality is better with Zoom. I think that that's an interface I enjoy using more. Well, I'm on the fence right now in terms of should I jump on over mm. and use Zoom for my podcast interviews? And I certainly love it with coaching environments. And well, I'm still deciding. <laughs> yeah, let me know how you go because I haven't used it a lot for sort of recording things that are being shared with 
you know, lots of people like like a podcast would be, uh, but more for individuals use. So yeah, I'd be curious to see what your experience is if you test that out. Okay, certainly can do. And do you have a particular nugget that you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks? Well, I think on the subject of interviewing, I think one of the things that that resonates with people, this idea that the interviewing is a skill. You get people who feel like, well, I'm bad at interviewing or interviewing is awful and interviewing is is something that you're either good at or you're not good at. And it absolutely is a skill. I've had people who were objectively terrible (laughs) and getting that feedback were bad enough that people were saying, you know, you really need to work on your interviewing. You've got, you know, that's how people find me sometimes. And so it, it really is a skill like a lot of things that you can work on and there are actionable steps that you can take. And I think that's something that makes people feel a lot better that they had, okay, I, I'm, I'm a quick study. I'm someone, if you, if you tell me what I need to do and, and walk me through the steps, I can, I can do it. And if, Interviewing is is one of the things that's in the way between you and and your dream job. It, it doesn't have to be. You can definitely uh, improve your skills no matter what level you're at at the moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Thank you. And if folks want to learn more, get in touch. Where would you point them? Biginterview.com is uh, is our site, and that's where we have all of our our information. And so I, I do coach people one on one. And Biginterview.com is our uh, self guided learning platform uh, where people can uh, check out video lessons, the practice tool, all kinds of things like that. And our blog uh, has tons of free information, uh, lots of articles on things like that three part model and how to approach behavioral. I've got all kinds of articles about all the different pieces of of the interview process. Process. So uh, yeah, if anyone's interested in learning more, that's probably the best place. Oh, excellent. And do you have a final challenge or call to action you'd issue to folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Well, this is something that goes beyond interviewing and it's something I've been saying uh, for a while, which is I really feel like people should look at managing their career the way that they would run a business. So really being proactive and, you know, being a good interviewer is part of that, being able to speak about your strengths and your experience, being able to to connect with people, to find opportunities. But thinking about it in a very entrepreneurial way, as opposed to sort of letting your career happen to you. And and I'm sure that's something that the people who listen to this podcast already are kind of thinking along those lines. But I think it, I think it's important. You, you never want to be uh, powerless and at the mercy of, of, uh, of other people. You want to always be improving yourself, learning new skills, developing yourself um, and positioning yourself for, for the next opportunity, whether it's your current job or, or somewhere else. Beautiful. Well, Pam, thank you so much for taking this time and sharing these perspectives. I wish you a big interview and all you're up to. Lots of luck. Thanks so much. And you too. You know, that classic star framework is really hard to beat. We heard from Kristen Burt on that earlier when she shared her unique approach to getting her job at United and live her baggage career dreams. Not career dreams that have a lot of baggage, but literally, you know, looking at baggage planning and operation things. That's her jam. And she's a big believer doing a full star spreadsheet. And it really makes a world of difference in terms of preventing yourself from meandering and having a little bit of that prep and noting, okay, am I hitting this situation? Do they kind of know kind of where we are? Am I hitting the task, what I was doing? Am I hitting the action, like how I did it? And that was sort of unique or noteworthy or fresh or had my flavor. And then the result, it was a smashing success. And it's common to forget one of those elements. And when you do, things just really don't go as well. So a great check for yourself before you wreck yourself. The Star Framework, a classic And one of the greatest interview gurus out there, Pam, is endorsing it as well. So further reinforcement that it's a good way to go. 
And again, if you want to check out the show notes, the transcript, the links to items that we've referenced, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F299. And I hope you'll push subscribe. And if you do, you will hear from our next guest. We're doing another awesome classic throwback. It is Michelle Geelan talking about how improved happiness improves performance. And then after that, for episode 300, da, 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 we have someone I have recommended to perhaps hundreds of clients. That is not an exaggeration. Roger Love, celebrity voice coach, talking about how to make your voice all the more confident and engaging and appealing. So I hope to catch you for these episodes. Peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.